0: Welcome to the People of Packaging Podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peak and Ted Tate.
1: And it was so awesome uh, getting a chance to chat with Steve. Uh, I've known Steve now for uh, about nine months. And I'm telling you, what Steve is doing for us in the packaging industry, we cannot ignore uh, these types of solutions. They are audacious, they are bold, um, but I think that what you will find is a, uh, is a person with Steve, an inventor and a scientist who is really trying to take a, a pretty cool approach to um, the problem of global climate change. So I will leave it at that. Uh, you need to connect up with Steve at ReCapture Technology um, and help him to bring this uh, solution to life. I think it's really, really important. So here's my interview with Steve Steele from ReCapture Technology. Well, I'm here with my good friend, Steve Steele. Uh, do you want me to say Steve or Steven? Which do you prefer? Uh,
0: Steve Steele's fine.
1: All right. Rolls off uh, the tongue better. It does. It does. Uh, Steve and I, uh, we met, I don't even know year when did you present at one mc
0: uh not quite a year ago but pretty close
1: yeah and uh, during during his and i'll be honest and maybe somebody from one million cups will listen to this there's some presentations that you're just sort of like i can't really add any value to this and you kind of you sort of disconnect in your mind wanders um but you started talking and immediately i thought uh this guy's either full of it and or he's going to revolutionize an entire industry. <laughs> and I'll be I'll be honest, still trying to figure it out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I uh uh but uh I I think that what what you're doing and I'm excited to get in and talk about that, but what you're doing is is so fascinating to me. It's it's actually changed how I think about a lot of things um and how I view a lot of things um And so that's been that's been a really interesting dynamic. But um, so that is maybe one of the more epic introductions that I've ever given. Um, so you have you have to follow that up with introducing yourself. So you're here in Utah, um, which has become one of my favorite states. So uh, I love living here. I love meeting people. So introduce yourself, maybe a little bit about your background so that people can have a little bit of context as to where the conversation goes
0: well my background is um i'm here in salt lake city uh my background is actually kind of came into science i i consider myself a microbiologist but i do not have a phd in microbiology my background is in is in computers and um and i started doing research early on um when i was getting my degree uh, degree up at the u my degrees um with a group called the ski institute uh, SCI Institute, really fascinating institute. Um, you know, shout out to Chris Johnson if he if he ever hears this, I doubt he will. Um, but he runs this amazing program where they do scientific computation, and it's really bridging the gap between computers and science. And then I quickly left that, went out in industry. I've started a bunch of companies. I've worked in all kinds of fields. Uh, one of the areas I worked in was in computational biology, and I actually really became, fell in love with that. Um, started getting ready to go back to grad school and was going, in, and turned out I actually liked microbiology the most. And there's there's an industry that, or an area of science that computers really haven't touched yet, and so I thought, I can do some really cool stuff in this. Um, you know, microbiology, a lot of it is still just analysis. And yeah, computers are using analysis. There's a lot of gene sequencing. But even in the gene sequencing world, you know, a lot of it's there's not a lot of like, you know, computers were searching and finding things, but not really doing cool cool analyses using uh, using deep learning and things like that. So I went back to school and that's where I met my business partners. Got um it. And my business partners, they're Doug and Tim. I'm sure they're listening at this point. Um, we Shout out school, to Doug and Tim. Doug and Tim, um, they uh, they, you know, Tim is a is an old, old hard boiled PhD, big research background. Kind of got sick of academia and left it and started teaching at a community college. And Doug's a young up and coming microbiologist. And we were both getting ready for grad school. And um, and one day we just started talking and, uh, and we asked ourselves, I mean, we're, unfortunately, we're all kind of misanthropes and a little bit pessimistic. And we realized climate change is a real problem. And we asked ourselves, how do you actually fix climate change?
1: Small question.
0: Small just question.
1: Like, yeah.
0: Tiny question. <laughs> <laughs> because unfortunately, the Paris Climate Accords would have been great 50 years ago getting to carbon neutral would have been great 40 years ago at this point it's too little too late and and unfortunately that looks really pessimistic because even if we got the carbon neutral today you know we've already have 1 degree of centigrade of warming and we're already seeing areas in the globe that are actually dead Because of that. Mm -hmm. If we slammed on the brakes today, the most optimistic estimates say we'd have at least one more degree of warming. Paris Climate Accord wanted to halt things at two by reducing carbon emissions. And I I just don't see that happening. Even if we reduced, you know, there's so much carbon built up in the atmosphere that can absorb so much infrared heat from the sun. And that heat goes into the oceans, slowly heating up the oceans. And and that <clears> takes time, And but it's it, it decades-long lag. So as soon yeah. as we stop putting carbon in the atmosphere, the heat from the carbon gets into the oceans. It pulls heat out of the carbon. But the carbon's constantly absorbing heat from the sun until you reach this balance point. And that balance point is a temperature that looks disastrous to human beings.
1: Hmm.
0: And, and for us that was really sad. So we. I think started... I think
1: you've you've just uh you know de- depressed everybody. So it's not <laughs> just you. It's all of. If you are a human, you should be like, well, that would suck. I don't want um, global extermination of humanity.
0: Yeah, and and it may not exterminate us right away, but within our kids' kids' lifetime the world they're going to see just is going to suck so that's why we started a company we figured out there was ways to actually solve this
1: and we oh. can go into
0: that more i just gave you a long a long uh long answer a, to a short a question a
1: long a long <laughs> sad depressing journey uh, but you've certainly you certainly framed the the problem and i think that that's important to understand and i love that it was you know three guys sitting around in, in, three people in general you know three guys sitting around just asking asking hard questions and I, I'm such a big believer in uh, we need we need to find hard difficult creative problems to solve um, you know sometimes sometimes I think we we as just this is a maybe just a, a philosophical rabbit hole that I'll go down for a second but we will create easily solvable problems. And then we solve them and we're like, I did it. I solved it. And uh, instead of really digging in and asking the, the really difficult questions. And one of the things that um, that you had mentioned to me, and this is maybe what we'll transition is, is when you frame it that way, um, and, and undoubtedly there's gonna be people who are like, this guy's full of it, click, turn off, um, for whatever reason, because They don't, they, you know, they're not wanting to listen for the purposes of understanding. They want to listen for, to have their own biases confirmed and you just didn't do that. So they've already disconnected, which is sad, but we'll keep working on them. Um, (laughs) But uh, when something clicked for me in the packaging world, and this is obviously a packaging podcast, which was, uh, we're not going to all die because of, uh, because we're going to run out of landfill space. Um, that's not an existential threat to humanity, is it? Important? Of course. You know, we shouldn't. You know, there there should be things that we steps that we should be doing to to uh, use waste in positive ways. I don't think anybody would deny that. But when you when you kind of pinned that up against the problem that you described, which is you know a a, a potential extinction of humanity. At some point in time, or at maybe even at worse, an almost uninhabitable Earth for a few generations out. It's like, okay, then that's 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 a problem worth throwing time, energy, money, efforts at, and we should be doing that. So that, for me, when we had that conversation, probably about you know whatever it was nine months ago, really reframed stuff for me how I think about it in the packaging industry. Um, so maybe unpack that a little bit about the difference between from a packaging perspective and then we'll get into what you guys are doing as much as you're able to talk about it on a public forum Um, but unpack that a little bit the the difference between packaging that uh, you know goes into a landfill versus the 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 impact that packaging and and in cyclical packaging has on the existential problem which is Um, you know, global climate change.
0: Well, I think, like, let's step back to something you said. You said people want to create a problem and then solve it and then give themselves a hand. And I, as much as I'm a misanthrope and I I tend to expect the worst out of people, I don't even know that it's that nefarious or self-serving. I think humanity has a really hard time comprehending large scale it, it's a it's fundamental to our biology scale at that kind of level just seems so so massive i mean we think of we, we th- for example let's let's talk about something that's something we can grasp every day we we think the, the the universe is big but let's talk about the solar system speed of light is really 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 fast so fast we can barely measure it. It takes two seconds for a light beam to get between here and the moon. That's how fast it is. And the moon seems really close. And it's attainable. It takes eight minutes for a light beam to just go the distance from the sun to the earth. That's eight minutes. It takes hours for that sunbeam to get out to to the far reaches of the solar system. Hours. And that's the immense but, – but you sit there and you, you try to wrap your head around that, and that just seems so big you can't handle it. And that's why we pick these little causes. We pick all these little things. You know, I, I hate to use the cl- a classic example, but it's the one I always go back to. It, it's the plastic straws. Mm-hmm. You know? why, did we pick, why did we pick plastic straws as the thing for everyone to get around? And it's because of one YouTube video with a straw up a turtle's nose. That's, that's where it all started. And, and, and yes, that's a horrible thing. Animals should not have to swim in polluted waters. So I'll be the first to agree with that. Yeah. But the self-importance you gain, the little bit of like, oh, I did good for the environment by using a, a paper paper sippy cylinder is so so great it creates this huge reward system in your head it's like Mm -hmm. you get this sense of like oh i accomplished this when in reality your straw at least here in utah your straw wasn't going in the ocean Mm -hmm. your straw was gonna go probably go in the garbage almost certainly was gonna go in the garbage and was gonna go be buried in landfill and and never be seen by humanity again yeah And yet we get on these things, and yes, it's good that we don't get straws in the ocean. Right. That is, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. What I'm saying is, if that is the extent of, if that action alone makes you feel like, oh, I accomplished something for the environment, I'm, I'm an environmentalist, I'm good, or I'm conscious, then you're just being you know, delusional.
1: Hmm.
0: Because that's not good for the environment. In fact, if you dig into it, it might be bad for the environment. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: And that's the problem is people look at one thing they're trying to do and they don't look at the full picture. Because once again, humans can't understand the scale. So from a packaging environment, a packaging perspective, you know, I was just talking to someone and they were talking how how much packaging they saved by switching from one shape of a of how they pack something together to a different shape? They they engineered how they stack things. Yeah, and, and they were able to save one percent uh, of materials. And I look at that and I go, "Great, that one percent on your package alone." You know, you guys just spent thousands of dollars of man hours and thousands of dollars of retooling. And, and in reality, you probably that one percent you probably save was probably more about saving money. But let's let's try not to get too misanthropic about this as I as yeah. I like to go. Um, you know. That one percent is such a minuscule thing in the scope of the broader packaging world. And so I, I look in packaging and you know I've talked to lots of packaging people and they're like, well, we need to get make more efficient packaging. And I and I go, but what problem are you actually solving by yeah. trying to make more efficient? And if you are trying to solve a specific problem, how all that effort you're spending, all that money you're spending, all that time, does it actually contribute? enough to make a difference and it's not that we shouldn't we should we should strive look recycling's great where it's good for the environment recycling is great but there is also a lot of evidence and with the current state of recycling in the global economy it might not be as good as the for the environment as you think it is Um, if you realize we're having to ship plastics to other countries putting them on big boats that are spending lots of fuel and a lot of that goes to those countries and frankly just gets thrown away. And a lot of those plastics that we thought were getting recycled are getting dumped in the ocean. You know, all of a sudden you have to you have to look at is what I'm going after really solving the going after the problem I'm trying to solve? And is it doing it in a
1: meaningful way? And I yeah. think
0: that's that's a fundamental analysis that you have to do with everything you're doing.
1: Well and there are some there I think that there are some relative terms in there that maybe people bump into and this was maybe where you're getting to about the idea of scale where what is what is meaningful you know that that is a i i would imagine so if I, if I'm a corporation and i have t- i have tasked my uh my branding folks, my packaging folks and I've said by twenty twenty five we want everything to be X, you know, made from post-consumer recycled content or whatever the thing is, um, they have made a determination on what is meaningful <clears throat> to the, to that brand. And, and they have said, OK, this is what we're going to do. And I think what what I hear you saying is, yeah, but we need we need to shift what meaningful means, what mm-hmm. is actually meaningful. So is are are these things are are they meaningful enough to solve the most meaningful problem together? So if every big brand in the whole world came together and said, "We're going to do X," what would that do? And if you run the analysis, it seems like some of the things that people were wanting to do, you're saying, "Well, that that you know maybe maybe it slows down our our maybe we get two more years on the end of this, but in the grand scheme of things." it doesn't, what, what, what are those, what do we gain from the, from maybe that extra year that there's extra 24 months in 200 years um, because of the changes we make now. Is that because, because as you're talking and as you're you're talking about this idea of meaning and, and problem solving and scale, I'm kind of pre- piecing it all together that it's like, yeah, these are good things. You know, the whole like uh start all the starfish are on the beach and a guy's walking down and chucks a starfish and someone says what are you doing you can't possibly throw all these starfish in the ocean and he says well it meant something to that starfish uh have you heard that story before yeah 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 so you know there's that kind of idea but the problem i think with that that i see a lot is he you know the the person walking down the beach they they check it in they say yeah but not for that for the not for that starfish and by the way I I've, I've I've done enough and I'm going to go home and I'm going to go eat starfish and you just start devouring these you, you know or whatever it's a terrible analogy but um, no no I think it's a
0: great analogy kind of going back to what you're saying because I would actually say that starfish actually probably wanted to be up there in the first place <laughs> <laughs> and, and no but this is the problem you're going back to it's is what you're doing a motivation from and I And and I hate to be this guy, but are you doing this for a purely marketing reason, or are you doing this to actually try to be good? Because the reality is that starfish needs to be up there, probably, because there's food up there. But you look at it and go, oh, no, the starfish needs to be in the water. Well, starfish are perfectly fine out of the water for a while. Yeah. They'll come up there, wait for the tide to come back, go back in. But you're throwing them in so that you feel good. And right. That really probably was contrary to what the starfish wanted or needed or you know, contrary to the system. And 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 in reality, that's kind of what I feel like you're saying a little bit is you have these you have these people that are like, I'm gonna do this good thing and then I'm done.
1: Yeah.
0: But I also say don't do the good thing just because you feel like it's a good thing. Do the good thing because you know it'll we'll actually make a difference. And then all those little tiny things can add up to something bigger.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But actually know what the goal is, and in the broader goal, and actually have a goal for altruistic reasons, not just yes, the marketing is great, and I'm not discounting that. In fact, fundamental to my core business belief is that you have to greenwash, or you, well, not greenwash, you have to use green marketing, and 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 green shaming is what I. I've heard. I think that I got that from you. Yeah. Um, eco shame. There we eco go. Eco shaming. Yeah. <laughs> you have to eco shame people, um, but at the same time, it's like make sure what you're doing actually does something.
1: Yeah. So sorry to interrupt you. No, that. no, no. It's fine. Um, I, it it actually reminds me of once I was in uh, um, I was on a, a nonprofit board, and we were all sitting around, and um, somebody was like, well, "What if we could get iPads for you know, if we could get 10 iPads and someone was like, yeah, I've got a connection at Apple, I'll call them. And one guy chimes in and he says, if you have a connection at Apple, we need to ask them for five million dollars. You don't approach Apple and ask them for 10 iPads. So, and and that, that interaction has actually stuck with me on things like this. Like it's there, you know, there, there are when we, we, we want to ask for big things when there are big problems, so that we can start to get towards that it would have felt really great. And maybe Apple was like, Oh yeah, we've done something good by donating 10 iPads, but they hadn't the, the, the impact that Apple could have had on that nonprofit could have been so much larger, but we've only asked them for so little. Um, and then people feel like they're doing good. It's the same thing with like Amazon's um, what's the nonprofit arm where you can um, smile Amazon smile. Yeah. So when I looked at doing it for the nonprofit, we realized if everybody that we knew bought all of their stuff on Amazon and spent all their money there, we would make $1,500 at the end of the year. And we were like, but everyone's going to feel so good about what they've done. We're like, I have helped this nonprofit. But at the end of the day, and then when we go ask them for money, they're like, you know, I buy all my groceries. They're like, yeah, that, that contributed 12 bucks to us. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's that idea of, People going back to the other thing. People want to feel good about what they're doing, and when you give them small things to feel good about, when you have to ask them for the big things, they're like, "But I already helped. I've already i've i've I use paper straws that are terrible. I've already helped. I've done my part. Get off my back. I don't I don't need to do anymore."
0: Well, and and that's that's once again that's the um that's the flaw with the human brain. There was a, a study I read. Oh, this is four or five years ago. That if you tell someone you're going to go work out. You are significantly less likely to actually go work out. And the reason why is because you told someone you're going to go work out. So now you get this dopamine rush and this sense of self-esteem because, yeah, I'm the kind of person who goes and works out. <laughs> and then you got your reward. Yeah. Instead of instead of going to the gym and doing it and making puddles of sweat and working out. And then coming home and you know there's uh, you know feeling like shit because you sorry I don't know if this is a family show um, It's fine feeling like shit if because you know you didn't work out hard enough and you just keep going back and back instead you went and got and then eventually you get this long term reward of looking in the mirror one day and going damn I look good
1: yeah you know instead you get this
0: reward of yeah I'm the kind of person that goes works out and people know it
1: yeah. That's so true. And, you know, I mean, this could we could really go sideways on this idea of, you know, the the powerful drug that is dopamine. Um, but we will uh, I think we'll get lost. I think we'll get lost in that rabbit hole for a while. So um, let's pull it back here, because I think this conversation that you had with Doug and with Tim and trying to solve this big problem and saying we don't want to. There are plenty of people trying to solve incremental problems. And so you're not you're not really wading into that water, and what you guys are saying is so audacious, that uh, that I'm sure it felt like a like a lot like for me for example I want to own the Denver Nuggets that's my like uh, that's my big hairy audacious goal the the hag from Jim Collins, um, and you guys set out with this this big hairy audacious goal, and the crazy part is, and I don't want you to talk about this is that you you have a solution a potential solution or or part of, the solution. part of a solution to this problem and i want you to as as best you can knowing that not everybody has an nda who listens to this but um, you know as as best you can the solution that you guys are bringing and and then after that what what can people do to help bring about this solution because i think there's a lot of people whenever i tell them about it they're like oh my gosh what can i do Um, and, uh, so tell me, how are you going to, how are you going to save the world?
0: Well, let's go back to this conversation we originally talked about. Yeah. Uh, What happened is we looked at the problem and said, the only way to actually reverse global climate change is to reverse greenhouse gases, specifically carbon dioxide. And we can talk about nitrous oxide. We can talk about methane, but as a percentage of the total greenhouse gases, it's very small. And in fact, a lot of these will get reversed if we can reverse global climate change. Okay. Um, or they'll get severely limited. So we said, okay, the solution is remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. And, and the first thing we said, well, who's actually doing that? And there actually is a whole industry. It's called carbon capture and sequestration. Um, and it's largely a either a way of getting tax credits from the government or to greenwash. But what it fundamentally says is we're going to, in some way, pull carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and sequester it under the ground. And the problem with that is it costs money and it doesn't produce money. Now, there are a few cases, for example, they'll pull carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, pump it into oil well, to pressurize an oil well get more oil out so they can burn more carbon dioxide but you can't call that good for the environment there are other some more audacious projects that for example there's um i'll name names carbon engineering they're doing old technology where they pull carbon across a chemical substrate just basically a bed of chemicals then heat that and it absorbs the carbon and then they heat it up it releases the carbon dioxide and they can actually take that carbon dioxide and do stuff with it. Hmm. The problem is, is what do you do with a bunch of carbon dioxide? Well, they're putting it in fizzy drinks. So that means you pulled out carbon dioxide, put it in a drink, someone opens that up, and next thing you know, all the carbon's back in the atmosphere. And and they're doing they're trying to figure out a way, but they haven't really found a place to sequester it that's permanent. And that falls into this subsection of carbon capture it's called carbon capture sequestration and utilization it's finding something to do with it so we said we have to put carbon into something that's stable in fact we set a few rules it has to be something that's stable it has to be something that already exists in the market because one thing we saw is that the market will not adapt so we have to make a product that companies are already currently using we have to do it it has to have enough demand out there just to even amount to anything you know there's lots of companies making cool carbon-based products but they're making graphene which isn't used anywhere and they're making you know the largest sheet of graphene i think is like 13 by 13 centimeters so sorry that's uh Couple inches by a couple inches in American units.
1: Yeah, it's America. <laughs> it's America, Steve.
0: Kind of centimeter.
1: Kind of centimeters. European units. <laughs> hey, we have our second largest market for the podcast is the UK. Who knew? Hey, I love me some
0: metrics. so Yeah, hey, there, there you, you go. <laughs> um and, and and they're doing these cool things, but at the end of the day, even if they get used in industry, like they're not going to be used enough to actually make any difference, and they're great high value, but it's not going to make a a difference. And then the other thing, and this was vital, is you have to produce whatever you're producing cheap enough so that it actually can be profitable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's key because you know th- this comes back from my business background, having you know a couple startups, a few startups, and you know working in business and understanding. If you can't sell what you're making for less than you make it for, then you're going to fail as a business. Right. You you know, and you actually see that all the time in tech industries. You know, these companies come in, suck up VC money, suck up VC money. And then all of a sudden, when they're asked to make a profit, they have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah. And so that led us down this road.
1: You have and this audacious goal—the the <laughs> audacious goal to make money as a business.
0: Shocking! Yes, that's audacious. Yeah, I hey, know. <laughs> in this market, that might be audacious. <laughs> true. True. Um, so we said, "Okay, how's it done?" And we ran through lots of science, and and we actually found that nature had kind of already solved these problems for us. Hmm. Um, and because we're microbiologists, we realized that we could. Link together a bunch of already existing species in such a way we call it a we call it a supply chain, just like a manufacturing supply chain. Linking together a bunch of species that would let us pull carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, just regular old carbon dioxide. We didn't even need to pull it directly out; just pulling air out of the out of the air, atmosphere, putting it into our system, and our species would create the supply chain that would. Take that carbon, bind it up into up into different chemicals, pass it around, bind it up into new chemicals, use some of the energy, bind it up, and eventually we came upon cellulose. And we actually worked from it backwards. We actually did, chose cellulose because it made, in our minds, the most sense. Yeah. And actually created a bunch of species that got us back to just sunlight, water, and air. Yeah. And so... What that's called is a polymicrobial bioproduct system. Sorry, that's
1: the one obviously.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean everybody knew that. I just I'm just glad that you said it. Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Basically a, poly,
1: just a polymicrobial
0: bioproducts system.
1: Polymicrobial bioproduct system. I also have to look up the word misanthropic. You've used that four times.
0: Oh, you don't know that word?
1: I've never heard it used in a sentence.
0: Just means you hate people.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, good. Then I don't have to do it anymore. Uh, so, so misanthropic Steve has a polymicrobial bio product. Uh, that's what we've learned so far. Basically, what it means is we just get a bunch of
0: bacteria to team up together. Yeah. And and they work together. And and what's amazing is by creating this polymicrobial system. We actually create highly efficient systems. You know, we're making bacterial cellulose. That's not a new thing. That's been around forever. That's been around. Well, not forever. About fifty years. People have tried to figure out how to make bacterial cellulose profitable. And there's a, a company out of uh, Australia that's gotten real close. But what they're using is this is a single species every time. One species. If all you use is one species of microbe, you got to baby that microbe. You got to give it everything it needs, everything it wants. Whereas what we do is, we tell our species, "You guys play nicely together." We hand pick them and figure out how they play with each other, and and they sit there and they and that creates. Oops, sorry. There's my my phone.
1: Oh, it's fine. <laughs> We're, there's there's grace for everyone. My dog's sitting outside my office window barking. If you can hear. Hear her going crazy, so
0: we're
1: good. <laughs> anyway, um, let's let's talk about feeding species and telling them to play nice together.
0: Yeah, so we tell them to play nicely together, which means we don't have to provide all this, the special environment. We don't have to provide the special nutrients. We don't have to provide the special food. They basically make it all work all together and make it for each other. Hmm. And, and you'd call that in symbiosis. That's I know that, we all I know that understand. phrase. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we've created an artificial symbiotic relationship. You're not going to go find a symbiotic relationship out in nature. It's not, you know, because these bacteria aren't going to necessarily ever have the opportunity to be together. But when we put them together, you create this great community where one's defending and in the process of defending the others, uh, it gets food and, you know, so it's creating an environment that keeps other bacteria out. And one's creating an environment that brings oxygen into the system. And another is creating a, a system that takes oxygen out of the bo- uh, part of the system. And hmm. and they, they work together to create a system where our inputs are essentially minimal.
1: And that's and I'm, to gonna be- start, I'm gonna start preaching with that. You got me <laughs> you got me going now. Uh, no, that's that's so cool. Um, And then the output of that, the outcome of this uh, of this community, this symbiotic community of polymicrobial bioproducts is now (laughs) is now pure cellulose or ninety nine point. What was it?
0: Uh, Five nines pure. Yeah. Ninety nine point nine nine
1: nine. Got it. It's very super pure. Um, So. So then. And and I guess maybe there there might be some packaging people now. Like we've had conversations with packaging people who, at this point in time, they go, "Oh, because now you're talking about something within the industry that is that is used um, yeah. often." You know, what cellulose. You yeah, I was like, so, <laughs> cellulose is the basis for a lot a lot of things, and that it has to be stable, it has to exist, and then. The the polymicrobial bio product is and can be produced cheap enough to be not only profitable for for recapture technologies for your business, but it also becomes profitable for the the rest of the supply chain. Um, and and that's really, I think, the 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 big. I don't want to say the big win, but it's it's a catalyst to to force change because forcing people to change when they have to pay more. I think about like the red campaign where it's like, if you buy a red iPhone, remember that you yeah. pay $50 more and you buy a red iPhone and we're going to help. Um, it was like AIDS in Africa or I, I don't remember what the cause was, but it's short lived. It's not, that's not sustainable if we're talking about sustainability and that's again, that was kind of another aha moment for me in talking with you was like, whoa, It's it's solving it's solving a very functional, tangible problem, which is sustainability and supply chain and risk mitigation and supply chain and predictability and supply chain and predictability and pricing and, you know, uh, control of your own inputs and these things that operations people who might just be like, uh, we don't talk about centimeters in America, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, you're 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 fixing their problem at the same time. Solving and and being part of a solution for this other big problem, which is global climate change. Um, so for me, that's that's where those two worlds collided. I was like, I have to talk to this guy a lot more and have him on the podcast.
0: Well, and that's the beauty of our system is we are solving that problem.
1: And yes, our price is competitive. I don't want to
0: talk about pricing, but we've talked sure. with companies we're talking with right now. The pricing we're talking at, it's competitive pricing. But right. that pricing is fixed right a couple years ago they had a cold winter in eastern europe and the price of wood pulp cellulose skyrocketed just because they had a cold winter in europe why because people were burning trees for
1: for, to heat their houses rather than to produce Mm -hmm. pulp you know look where we're at look where we're at right now i mean i saw somebody said if you don't think one person could change the world uh try eating a bat in wuhan china like we are, we are such, we are such an interconnected global community now that you're right. I, I remember one story where someone was telling me about, they were like, yeah, the cost of baking vanilla has skyrocketed. I'm like, what? And then you dug it down and you realized there was something happening in Madagascar and some kind of foreign relation, some sort of international transaction between China and, Madagascar and it was nuts stuff that you've never had control over but now your cookies are going to cost two times more and you're kind of ticked off over nothing that you had like we this is this is the, the world in which we live in and it's certainly true with wood pulp um and and that's where it, when i talk about like supply chain risk mitigation um it's it's not just critical it's imperative at this point in time to remove as much risk out of your supply chain as you possibly can.
0: Yeah. And, and that's that's the beauty of it. We we're manufacturing cellulose rather than relying on a limited resource to get that cellulose. We are we are there, there is no limit to our ability to produce cellulose beyond our production capacity. Right. And and, and, and production capacity can grow. That's everyone, you know, anyone who's a manufacturer says. You need to produce more widgets. You just build a bigger factory, and and that's yeah. that's what ours is. We we don't, you know, we need to get more cellulose to our customers. We build more. We call them bioreactors. Just think of them as bacteria fish tanks. Um, you know, we build more bacteria fish tanks. Yeah. And and that solves a lot of problems for a lot of a lot of supply chains. Right. Just that in and of itself. But then you add into that. This is carbon negative, right? This is helping to reduce global climate change. And wood pulp is a three hundred billion dollar global market. If we were able to completely take over that market, that would mitigate ten percent of greenhouse gases we're currently putting into the atmosphere.
1: Well, and you know the other the other component of that is you do leave more trees um, who are naturally right. If my yeah. if my junior high level maybe i got into high school level uh science is i i kind of paid attention but i just remember you know trees are gonna they're, they're gonna suck down co2 as well um and and trap it within themselves and so when we leave them to be doing that and the older the tree gets i think you were telling me the more it's going to be pulling down um out of the atmosphere so anyway i i I've never thought about science as much in the lat than I have in the last 9 months. So <laughs> shout out, so, and,
0: and shout out to science, the, Steve. Yeah, I mean that's the problem is we look at climate change as an emotional reaction. And yes, I'm a bit being a bit of a prophet of doom. But science allows you to look at it reasonably and logically. Uh, and and there are even scientists who say we shouldn't be doing carbon negative because it'll keep us doing pumping carbon to the atmosphere i really don't think that's the problem the problem is is even if we got the carbon neutral it's just not enough and the science does tell us that um, we still need to be doing everything else but we need to be doing everything else smartly and really trying to understand what it is we're trying to solve
1: right and i well, think that's what oh no go ahead no no go ahead I'm gonna let you finish your sentence, science oh. <laughs> science, Steve, the misanthropic prophet of doom.
0: Prophet of doom, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but that's the thing is if uh, now my trade of thoughts off sorry. If if we actually look at if we look at it, we can actually find ways of s- fundamentally solving this where it doesn't have to be a greenwashing. It doesn't have to be something you fund from a marketing budget. Right. It can be something you can change that fundamentally changes the whole system. And, yeah, I want people to use products made from our cellulose. I want them to throw them away, recycle where possible, where it's good for the environment, Mm -hmm. throw them away, because that carbon's going back into the ground where we pulled it out of.
1: Hmm.
0: And in 250 million years, it's dinosaur squeezings again. Yeah um,
1: it needs to go back in the ground. Yeah. Well, um, so what is the best way for people to, I'm hoping that there are a lot of follow-up conversations because I think we just kind of scratched the surface. I know for me, um, I, I still feel like I'm scratching the surface and it's been a few months and a couple of beers and, uh, you know, car rides and all sorts of stuff. So, um, what What is the best way for somebody to get a hold of you and, and who are the kinds of people that can can really help you and your business partners drive this change that that is that is needed
0: well right now we're 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 just trying to find the right partner um, if you have you know our our cellulose is really ideal for Dissolving cellulose applications. So that's going to be cellophane. Um, cellophane is probably the most relevant to packaging. So if you know people who are making not finished cellophane products, but raw cellophane, like we'd love to be able to talk to them. We'd love to have a conversation with them. Um, you know, the paper industry, I think our problem is we're not a, at a scale where we would be able to supply any paper makers yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we can get to the scale that we can provide for cellophane makers. But if you're interested in really like digging down with us and looking at the applications, that would help us. And frankly, we're a startup and we have bootstrapped this. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, coronavirus kind of killed some of our our, uh, early seed round funding that we were gonna get. So if you know anyone who's actually doing anything even with coronavirus, in yeah. the way of funding, we'd love to talk with you. We don't need a lot to get this beta plant up um, to do some experimentation with some of the people we're already talking with. Um, but yeah, that's where cool. we are. Um, All right, well. And, and if you need get me, I'm sure you'll put the link in the doodly do. but it's uh, just send info at recapturetechnology.com. Awesome. And, and you can go to our website. It's pretty Pretty actually nothing right now. It's uh, I'm I'm using the coronavirus as an opportunity to rebuild it. So if you like the design, let me know. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> uh, but awesome. there'll be content up shortly. So
1: yes, and I will uh, I will I will put for such a scientific uh, mind who has dropped such incredible words like polymicrobial bioproduct and misan- misanthropic and. Uh, you 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 went with you'll probably put it in the doodly do and I <laughs> for one moment for one moment in this conversation I was like I'm smarter than Steve right now <laughs> <laughs> but yes I will put I will put uh, links to get a hold of you in the show notes and in the comments uh,
0: uh, is that is that what they're called <laughs> I,
1: yeah exactly well Steve it's been awesome uh, I'm sure we'll we'll chat again and maybe we can do do uh do a live q and a stream and try to get some people in and uh maybe get some some interaction as well that'd be great
0: yeah I'd love to do that
1: awesome thanks Steve.